Welcome to the Crazy Counselors Podcast with your co-host Kelly Center and your co-host Brandy Stinson. <laughs> oh man, here we are again at another weekend, holiday weekend, long weekend. You taking a, a break? You're not working on Monday? No, no work. I say that, but then I'm like, I also need to work on stuff for my business. So does that count as work or is that like not work? I think it's still work. I mean, I, I plan to work. Really? Yeah, I know I shouldn't, <laughs> but I mean, I have one client just because of their schedule, you know, so I have one client, but I do have some things I need to catch up on, whether it's around the house or some, some notes and things. So I plan to be inside. Who You're not pulling up on any barbecues? No, you know, my cousins have a vow renewal um, tomorrow. So I'll be spending time with family tomorrow. Okay. And that's when we're going to kind of do our cookout and, and then their ceremony and all that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have planned? Girl, working on my business and I really need to rest. I feel like I've been really stressed lately just with some professional things that I'm trying to work through and I really need rest not so much like physical rest but just soul rest like I need to do things that feel good to my soul this weekend yeah Yeah. that's good so what do you plan to do what what feeds your soul what feels good to your soul what feels good to my soul ice cream (laughs) Jenny's ice cream um gosh you know what's funny is So not that I'm going to do this this weekend, but I actually do not like getting manicures and pedicures. Like I know it's like a necessary, I feel like it's a necessary evil, but it's not relaxing to me at all. Getting my nails done, because I feel like when I'm getting my nails done, I feel like it's FOMO. Like I feel like I'm missing out on some news happening or something and I don't have my phone in my hand and I can't see what's going on. Seriously. It gives me a little bit of anxiety. I'm like, hurry up and do these nails so that I can get on with my life. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I hate getting my nails. Like I literally dread getting my nails done. Like I can't wait till it's over. I mean, I have to do it because I don't want to have nubs, but I, <laughs> I just, I just suck it up and go. I mean, pedicures are not as bad because I can like get work done while I'm getting my, you know, getting oh my, my feet done. Brandy, so you have a hard time sitting still. I do. Do we need to work through that? I'm like, when you said that, I'm like, wait a minute. So you can't have your phone in your hand for an hour? I have a hard time sitting still, Kelly. I do. I don't know why. I feel like we, do we need to explore that? I think it goes in line with our topic for today, for sure. (laughs) What? I know this is my admission like I I like what's gonna happen what are you gonna miss out on in an hour I don't know but I think that's what also drives I don't know what I'm gonna miss out on (laughs) right right that's 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 FOMO like I don't know what I'm gonna miss out on but I'm gonna miss out on something and it's gonna be important so but your rest is important self-care is important true you, but so I you, to, you don't ever unplug you t- you put your phone on do not disturb no never never right 
I know you need one of those retreats where like there's like no cell service where you just have to like (laughs) disconnect so you can plug into yourself and nature and like totally like unwind girl I I would probably have to use copious amount of coping skills for anxiety to yes I'd like work through that you would probably increase your um your creativity too to just let yourself like breathe to let Mm -hmm. go you know that's my my like my I used to be able to get away like that at least once a year and I miss it I hate like it there what annoys me my phone is on silent most of the time because I can't stand the the ding going off like it's like Mm -hmm. someone pulling at me and needing me like I long to be able to just completely like disconnect really like nobody can reach me but my son in case of emergencies yes right right yeah see I, I feel like I need to get to that point but also I like that you pointed out that I need to really explore what it is about sitting still and not doing anything that would make me a little anxious. Like I, I really, I'm, I'm saying that it's FOMO, but maybe that's something I need to work through in my own self-care, self-healing journey is why, you know, why I can't sit still. I don't know. It's funny. It's reminding me of, I don't know if I'd ever shared with you when I was um, in grad school for the group counseling program and for mm-hmm. a professor was like really particular about time and all of that. And And I didn't realize how attached I was to like time or like a schedule. And, and I, and I Mm -hmm. still struggle with that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm very, I can be very regimented with the, like, if I have time designated for something, I don't like to get out of that routine. It like, if that gives me anxiety, like it just, it does. So I had to, that's something that I'm always mindful of and yeah. And, you know, connecting with where it can't, where that kind of comes from for me and what that's kind of, you know, hinging on and being able to breathe and communicate what it is that I'm needing in that moment instead of freaking out. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from, though? Like not being able to deviate much from the schedule, because I'm the same way. But for you, what where does that what did you find was the root of that? Um. Well, I mean, it. it uh, deep deep back went back to my dad and how he kind of was with things and I think the way that I function I'm very I'm a very black and white person um Mm -hmm. in general and so when I set up things like I like to understand the rules and once we decide the rules we stick to the rules like Mm -hmm. this is how you play this game this is how this works this is when what I have set up for this at this time and so I, I don't like when when things are moved because that wasn't the plan yeah you know I don't know it's just very I'm very much like that so have you thought about reading that book who moved my cheese did you mention that to me before someone uh, someone has mentioned that to me before what is it about I've heard the title someone mentioned it before so I'm gonna pull it up and see somebody I I feel like I've had a conversation with someone before about being regimented and they were like Mm -hmm. you should read this book and I'm like why I don't have time for that. I can't get in my schedule. <laughs> um, it says, what is it about? In order to stop fearing what lies ahead and instead thrive in an environment of change and uncertainty. Uncertainty. Yeah, that sounds scary. I don't know if we should read that. Look, I'm like, this sounds like something for both of us. 
Right. <laughs> we should read it and discuss it on the next session because Lord. Well, I don't have time this week because my week is already planned out. So. Right. That part. Hello. <laughs> wow. Right. Now I can adapt. That's the thing is I can adapt and I will adjust mm-hmm. and adapt, but I will be upset about it. It gives me anxiety <laughs> and it like bothers me. Right. Absolutely. So you'd have an attitude like you, you can adjust your schedule, attitude. but you're going to, you're going to feel a way about it. You're going to be in your feelings. I'm having okay. a big attitude about it and I have to breathe and like probably overly apologize for my attitude. Cause it like, cause I think about all the other things that have to move because this had to move when that wasn't the plan, yeah. especially last minute. Oof. It is, it's bad. I feel like I have at various times in various relationships been challenged with uh, or challenged by individuals who don't plan and it drives me like really up a wall because I'm like oh yeah. I didn't plan for this you just want me to add this into my schedule or you know we're just gonna change up at the last minute or why are you late or <laughs> you know it's definitely a challenge but I also wonder if it has anything to do with like control and just like your schedule is the one thing that you can control somewhat you know unless an emergency comes up Mm -hmm. yeah I think about like you said with relationships I think that's one of the things you know you don't think about it going down to like even finances Um, Mm -hmm. for me I'm such a planner I like I plan ahead I know you know what I have coming up what I need to do so Mm -hmm. when some people like live day to day like you know, that I'm like, oh, that don't work for me. We have to have separate accounts. Right. That don't work yeah. for me. Yeah. Do that with your money. <laughs> you know what I find breaks me out of that sense of control? Um, and I have a little bit, I'm a little bit more able to, to cope with it is when I travel. Like, especially traveling by myself, like taking solo trips, you have to be able to adapt to flight changes you know mm-hmm. issues at the hotel or wherever you're staying or not necessarily knowing everything there is to know about where you're going until you get there right mm-hmm. and so it's interesting because I was reading I think I talked on the last episode about the book uh catch me if you can um about mm-hmm. the first woman who African-American woman who's visited every country and So I read it on the train when I was in Italy and I was going from Florence to Venice. And one of the things, and I read it throughout the trip, but this specific part I read when I was on the train from Florence to Venice. And one of the things she said was that she's become so able to adjust to change that her body literally cannot get jet lag. Wow. Yeah. She said she, it's impossible for her to get jet lag. And I was like, I don't know. I guess because she's traveled so much, I don't know what the biology is. I'm thinking maybe her circadian rhythm is here. I go again, acting like my degrees and other stuff besides social work when it's not, but maybe her circadian rhythm no longer is operated by time, but more so by light and darkness. You get what I'm saying? Oh, that would make sense. That's very interesting. That makes sense though. I could see that. Yeah, very interesting. But I'm like, what? I like when I read that, I just had to pause because I was like, dang, like she's traveled so much. And really, a lot of her book is talking about letting go of 
schedules and ideals of how you think things should be or just adjusting to just life not being the way you normally have it. And that was the one thing that stuck out to me was how she has allowed herself to adjust and adapt. And I'm thinking like, how can we kind of not, not so much as like try to, you know, get our sleep patterns to where we don't (laughs) respond to jet lag so much, but the bigger issue is how do we, or the bigger picture is how do we get to a place to where we are not so bound by time? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, you know, interestingly enough, when I'm on trips, I'm not like that. I'm very much like go with the flow because I think in my mind, I've planned to be off. So I've planned to, and I already (laughs) said in my mind that I'm going to go with the flow, whatever happens, happens. Like that's my unplug. You know, right. so very different when I am on trips and when I'm traveling. I, I would see you because I know how regimented you are. I, I could see you being the planner, like waking up, like, what are we doing today? What's going on? You oh, know? well, I do like to have a, I don't want to plan it. I'm not the planner as in organizing it, but I very much do like to like, I, I like for there to be planned times for downtime, but I like to do things too. So I, I don't want to, I'm not the one that wants to like go to another country and just stay on in the resort the whole time like mm-hmm. I want to go out and see see things and do things and you know have the downtime too but I'm totally fine with things getting moved around on the schedule on the trip but I do want there to be planned things to do yeah I'm the opposite like when I go on a trip I stay gone like all day and yeah. I plan excursions every single day yeah that's like, what I mean yeah that's what I don't want to be the one to pick them like I like going on trips with friends who are like okay we're gonna do this 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 and this I'm like great whatever you said we're gonna do that's what we're gonna do but I don't want to sit at the resort I want to go out and explore yeah I feel like it's a waste of a trip otherwise I don't understand why people do that yeah me neither sit it sit in the house at home but yeah I go to a local hotel and chill if you want to just get away right I want to see the country I want to try new things I want to be with the locals so right Mm -hmm. right I'm with you on that so this falls right in line with September being self-care month this this is definitely a much needed conversation because I mean we just can't get enough self-care I recently contributed to an article in Essence magazine in the lifestyle column about boundaries And how does that relate to self-care? And one of the things that I touched on was just the guilt that we often feel with setting boundaries and how fear of setting boundaries is driven by like fear of what other people are going to think or the response from the other person or that pushback, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're conflict avoidant, like you hate conflict. So the biggest way to avoid conflict is to not have any boundaries. So Kelly, what what are your thoughts about boundaries and the reasons why people often struggle to set them? Um, I think for for much of what you said, I think sometimes people struggle to set boundaries, you know, for people pleasing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, aspects of things like going back to the like regimented, although I'm like very regimented and try to have boundaries, I also have a hard time saying no to people Mm -hmm. um, that you know, especially if it's someone that I care about or if there's a need, mm. I think that's, you know, maybe the helper in me, if there's like something that they need, even though it may, you know, bother me or, you know, annoy me and I'll probably be upset about it for the whole day. 
it would still bother me to then not uh, meet their need too. And I'm like, no, now you said you need this. So now I'm violating my boundary and I'm upset about it. And I had to realize like, that's not fair then to, you know, allow my, my boundary to be violated, but then be upset about it, like choose one or the other. But right. I do think it goes back to the, the people pleasing, um, you know, people not knowing how to say no because of, you know, not wanting to upset other people or deal with the backlash. Like for some people, it's easier to let others, you know, do what they want. And they'll say, oh, it doesn't bother me as much. It's like, probably does bother you, but, you know, you're used to it or you may have accepted that this is just your lot in life and things like that. So the thing about not setting boundaries is that, if so, if you're in a place where you're trying to figure out if you should set a boundary, because obviously you feel like a boundary is being crossed, whether you don't feel safe anymore, or you need to structure your time, or just you know what whatever the the case may be that that causes you to feel that you need to set parameters, I feel like when you don't set boundaries, then conflict is going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't set a boundary, you know, if you feel if you're feeling disrespected, you may lash out later on, you know, if you don't set that boundary early or if you don't set boundaries around your time and say, okay, well, I can't talk right now or I can't engage in this this week or during these hours, then later on you're going to feel the effects of it and you'll be stressed or, you know, anxious or what have you. So it's it's better to go ahead and set those boundaries than it is to not because you don't really avoid anything by not having any boundaries. Yeah, that is one thing that I do talk to clients about, um, you know, like by making a decision or not making a decision, you know, you have to sometimes count up the cost of that. So what what is it going to cost you if I don't set this boundary uh, with someone? What will it cost me in time and resources and energy, you know, mm-hmm. and then is it worth it? You know, just a quick little yeah cost benefit analysis without, you know, spending, you know, going all deep into it, but, you know, is that output worth the input or is the, you know, lack of boundary worth what it will cost me um, in the end? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that, that helps, you know, to sit and really think about, so if you go ahead and say yes to this, or, you know, mm-hmm. you go ahead and you allow this, what's the fallout of that? You know, when they say, you know, crack rolls downhill, what does that, what's look like, you know, does that mean that it's going to impact your sleep? Will that impact your, you know, your work for the rest of the day? Is that going to push some other deadline back? And sometimes when we look at the fallout of all of what it will cost us in time, Mm -hmm. energy, and resources, um, it becomes not worth it. So then challenge is then what's my barrier to being able to, uh, you know, vocalize my truth and then our, you know, my need for boundary and, um, and then stick to it. You know, is right. it you know, the fear of their response? Well, let's problem solve through that. Is it, you know, because sometimes I, I talk to people like about fear and anxiety that sometimes fear and anxiety can be like um, the little teddy bear um, that casts a big shadow on the wall and feels like a big monster when all we have to do is turn on the light and see it's really just a teddy bear. Yeah. So they're exaggerated truths. You know, sometimes we have to just expose them you know we're so afraid to look at it because it seems so daunting but when we expose it and we really look at it it's not so bad after all right right I think people also I like the analogy of the teddy bear and I think also that people don't respond as harshly to our boundary setting as we may 
think that they do or they will in most cases. You know, I found that and also in working with clients, I found that when boundaries are set, depending on how they do it, um, it's not a matter of just a lot of backlash. And, and that's the thing that I work with clients on is how do you set boundaries, right? Because I think the number one thing that causes people to feel upset about a boundary is when you don't necessarily communicate the boundary, you just set the boundary, right? So I no longer, if you're saying I no longer take phone calls after 8 p.m. and your friend who you normally talk on the phone with, you know, at 10 p.m. or you're saying, you know, I am saving money now to buy a house and I can't go out for, you know, dinner and drinks on the on Saturdays for a while and you just turn them down and you don't say that, okay, well, this is, I have to set a boundary with my finances, but you're just every weekend like, no, nah, girl, I can't do it or whatever. Then they may feel away and feel like, okay, well, what's going on, sis? Like you trying to Very like true. abandon the friendship, like what's up versus when you say up front, like, hey, just let you know, like, it's not personal. I'm just setting this boundary because I have another goal. But when you don't set that boundary, then people can start to make assumptions. And that's where people get caught up. It's not the boundary. It's how and if it's communicated to the other parties that gets Mm -hmm. people caught up and often leads to conflict. That's such a good point. It reminds me, you know, when people say, um, well, they should know or you should know. Like, how would someone know if you didn't tell them? Right. Long story short, if you're listening and you've got to set boundaries. You're, you've probably been listening and you have some situations in your mind right now that have come up. So it's all about how you communicate those boundaries. Mm-hmm. First, know what the boundaries are and then decide a respectful and loving way to communicate mm-hmm. those boundaries. Be sure, sure to communicate them. And so yes. you're saying that is a part of self-care. Self-care. Holding to our own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are some other important aspects of self care? In recent conversation was about establishing safe spaces within relationships mm-hmm. where when you're going through things, you can have safe spaces to talk. You know, we often talk about suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that it's so cliche to say, check on your strong friends or what have you. There won't be every time that someone who's having those thoughts will reach out. So definitely don't want anybody to feel guilty if uh, they know someone who has um, died by suicide or has, uh, you know, they didn't reach out when they were going through something. But I think it's important to at least have those safe spaces so that if a person wants to reach out or if you want to reach out and let people know that you're feeling depressed or you're having those thoughts, mm-hmm. it's important to at least know where you can go for that level of support. And I think safe, having safe spaces is very much so key to self-care because your friends will know, your safe spaces will know when you're off. Like, mm-hmm. listen, girl, I, I noticed the way you've been talking, you that that don't even sound like you. Like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, sis, yeah. are you okay? So I feel like establishing safe places or safe spaces is important. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, um, of like, you know, sometimes because it, it's also like, well, how do you communicate that to someone, right? Like, you know, yes, you know, 
ideally our friends should check on us or people should check on us. But what are some ways that we can let other people know that maybe we're just not okay? Or is it our responsibility to do that, you know, rather than withdrawing, which I think sometimes is a go-to to just kind of pull away. That is on you, like on the onus is on the person too, to some extent, to to reach out and let people know they're not okay. It is. Um, it's, it can be challenging, though, because I remember, and I've talked about this in a prior season of the Crazy Counselor podcast, but I've talked about my experience with narcissistic abuse and how coming out of the experience, I was still very much so having a lot of somatic experiences. So like um, I had because I was so stressed and anxious all the time, I had broken out in highs. I wasn't eating. I was very anxious all the time. Like it literally felt like there was like a a bomb about to explode in my body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it just, like I literally could feel myself shaking on the inside. And I didn't know what was happening to me. Like I was not okay. I was um, starting to space out. You know, I'm very careful about Like random times? Yeah, like I would space out and mm-hmm. it felt like I was in a dream and it would mm-hmm. happen for hours. I and you dissociate. I was, yeah, I was dissociating. And I remember a time, it's, I'm probably going on a rabbit hole here, but okay. I'll come back around. <laughs> I, <can follow> um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but I remember dissociating and feeling so anxious that I remember telling my, my therapist at the time that I was, I was going on a trip and I remember telling her, I'm afraid I'm going to get to the airport and completely forget. Like I'm going to dissociate so much that I'm going to forget what to do. Mm. And she had to reassure me like, Brandy, you'll know what to do. But I was so afraid of telling people what I was experiencing because how do you, how do you explain to someone as a therapist that you're anxious all the time that you're, you know, you're having a trauma response. You're dissociating. You feel like you're in a dream. How do you tell someone that? How do you communicate that? So once I got to a place to where I felt more stable, I finally told my closest two confidants and, and they were like, girl, you've been going through all of this and you never even gave us the opportunity to be there for you. Like, I feel like they, they kind of, they were in their feelings. Like they felt some kind of way. Cause they were like, you were over there literally feeling like you're clinging to for dear life, for, like yeah, for your like sanity yeah. and you weren't sleeping properly. Like I remember for like at least a month or t- probably like a month and a half, two months, I wasn't sleeping properly. Like I would fall asleep and then I would wake up in the middle of the night and like extreme anxiety and I couldn't figure out like why is this happening to me until my therapist explained this whole situation Mm -hmm. but I was going through all of that by myself and there were times where I was literally afraid that I was going to go into a psychosis Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I would start having suicidal thoughts now I never did thank God but I was afraid because I didn't know I had never experienced a traumatic uh, response like that or had a traumatic, you know, a traumatic experience. And I went through it by by myself pretty much, at least for like two months until I finally told my confidence, like, 
your girl was going through like it was Mm. it was for real like it's one thing you know we work in in the hospitals and in the clinical settings and it it was at you know when they say like ish got real (laughs) ish got real I was like man like I it, it became that much more real to me like I can literally be what I see my clients go through yeah but I didn't tell anyone and I didn't tell anyone until I felt like I was through it enough to where I didn't need so much support and they, they didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been through a similar situation years ago in a, you know, relationship with, I believe a narcissist, you know, Mm -hmm. he's never been clinically diagnosed, but, um, and I remember having, you know, having those low moments and, it's so funny because the cousin that's getting uh renewing her vows I missed her first wedding I don't and I've blocked out so much of that part of my life like literally there I will have Mm -hmm. friends and family tell me things that happened when I was in that relationship like outside just normal life but while I was in that relationship and I cannot remember it cannot remember even for their first wedding they were like you like they were like we um we're gonna pay for you to fly out you had a room you had all of this and you kept saying no and I'm like I because I was thinking to myself I'm like this is one of my closest cousins like why wasn't I at your wedding and I couldn't remember and they were like you don't remember and they were telling me this whole story and all this stuff and I'm like and I just keep apologizing to people because there were some years that I literally was like fighting for my life every day and there were like you know mentally emotionally and to your point, mm-hmm. I remember one day laying on the couch and it was like this dark cloud had kind of come into the room and like almost like a physical dark cloud felt like it was there. And I remember feeling so low and like the pain that I felt I, 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 for whatever reason in that moment, I was able to empathize with people who, you know, get to the point where they attempt their life or where they take some, you know, drug, you know, cause you're like, how mm-hmm. you know, we hear these stories, like, how could this mother do that and do these drugs and do all this and I remember Mm -hmm. that feeling I had and and it was almost and this is how I um I spoke about it before um wrote about it too in an unfinished project (laughs) one day but talked about like how you know I believe how Satan will offer you know like suicidal thoughts come in so many different forms like some people Mm -hmm. you know they have them you know all the time Um, you know, they come in many forms, but for the sake of time, they also can come as offers or suggestions. And it reminds me of what Mm -hmm. Jesus went through when he was tempted, you know, to uh, throw himself off the cliff, you know, and all these other things. And people, you know, say, well, Satan didn't appear in a, and I know I'm off topic. I know this isn't. No, you're good. good. You're preaching now, girl. Uh oh. But I'm like, you know, Satan wasn't a physical, he didn't physically appear to Jesus. We, there's no record of that when in all the accounts of that story so then we have to say it was a thought right mm-hmm. and it was a suggestive thought and so I remember in that moment being like oh this is how someone could get to that place where they decide or it just seems like this came out of the blue as a suggestion to take these drugs or to take your life or something like that just for a moment of relief of the pain and just as that cloud came in it left and so I was like you know thanking God that I don't struggle with that every day, but I remember just that moment of mm-hmm. it. it. It has given me such empathy for, you know, people who do 
struggle with this day to day because I may have had moments where it comes and then it goes. But there mm. are some people that it never goes. And then, you know, that that dark cloud never leaves and they are fighting for their life every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about, you know, the traumatic response and how our I do believe that our brain uh, does an amazing job of protecting us. And I think that when yes. we have those dissociative <laughs> moments um, or even when we block out periods of times, it's our our brain protecting us because our system can only handle so much. That's why, you know, a lot of times when people get to a safer place where maybe they're out of the home with the abusive person or they're in a safer environment, then it seems like, well, now that I'm, you know, safe physically, why am I having all of these reactions? Because now your system can handle it. You still got mm. trauma. So it's oh, like that's that protective so mechanism is like, okay, now you're out of it. Now I'm going to, now you're going to have those memories and now you're going to have all that because you can deal with it, you know? That's my so good. My grandmother used to always say, um, you know, whatever comes up, comes out. And I, cause she used to say whatever. I'm like, grandma, you can't be saying that, but it's true. I think the same thing happens with our system. Whatever it comes up, we try to stuff it down and we don't want to deal with it. Deal with it. Cause that's your system saying you can handle it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. Tori, you know, I'm over here. I don't want to use the word spaz because y'all got on Beyonce about using oh, that they word. Did get on Be they got on Beyonce and Lizzo. Lizzo. I was like, is that a thing? I right. Know right. I'm, I'm not going to say spaz, but I was just over here. Just you saw me having a Baptist fit because that was so good. I felt like you just like ministered to my soul because that was one of the most frustrating things about the healing process was, okay, I'm no longer in this situation why is this taking so long for me to, why am I having this, this response six months later? Why is it taking so long for me to heal? And I just had to be patient, but you explained so perfectly why it was after the fact that was when everything came rushing in. Like that was the dissociation. That was all of that. And I remember my therapist saying, when you start to dissociate, start to ground yourself by saying, okay, I'm feeling anxious mm -hmm. and kind of sit in how you're feeling because the dissociation, like you said, is really you tapping out your brain. Like, oh, we got to go. I'm stressed back. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's go somewhere else. Let's take a flight somewhere. Right, right. I can't stay right here. But when she encouraged me to sit in it, I noticed that what would immediately happened was sadness and the quickest I learned that the quickest way to break the dissociation when it would start was to sit and I literally would start crying like it would be a sob mm -hmm. and I think like you going back to your point that was sobs that I wanted to have during that time but because of the gaslighting and because I had determined like I'm not going to let this break me or I questioned, why do I, should I feel hurt about this? I, I spent so much time trying to filter through the mind games yeah. that I wasn't allowing myself to feel. Yeah. But after the fact, the sadness and the hurt and all of that would, it would start to manifest. It would be the dissociation. And when I started to dissociate, I knew I needed to get to a quiet place by myself and I needed to cry it out. And immediately when I cried, it would lift and I was back to, okay, we're back, yeah. to, we're back to earth now. <laughs>
It's because you're allowing yourself to feel. And so interesting, I was having a similar conversation with someone about grief, that mm. it's the same thing when it comes up, it, it needs to come out. So, you know, we mm. can't judge, you know, everyone's grieving process is different. That's going to look different at different times in your life. But, you know, it, and some people are like, well, I don't have any tears. It's okay if you don't have tears, whatever it feels like you need to do, whether it's allow yourself to think about the situation, maybe what you feel is anger. You know, if you're angry, write about your anger, you know, if you need to cry, cry, if you need to, you know, however you need to um, express whatever emotion you're feeling in that moment, do that, yeah. you know, go with that is what we say when we're doing EMDR, go with that, but okay. it's just not, um, you know, don't stuff it, don't try to make it go away, because you're just yeah. going to make it worse, and then what happens is then it will come up at the most inopportune times, You'll be like, I'm crying in the grocery store. I, I, you know, I'm trying to have a session with someone and I can't hold back or it's going to mm -hmm. come up in moments when it's inconvenient for it to come up if you don't <laughs> allow it to, you know, when it in those safe moments. So right. grief is always inconvenient. Right. <laughs> right. Gr convenient grief. What is that? Right. <laughs> it's so interesting. Grief. Yeah. Like you said, though, you it does come back in at the most inopportune times when you don't deal with it. And it's it's definitely meant to be felt. You know, I've talked about my own grieving process at the end of 2020 going into 2021. And I literally was like, what stage of grief am I on? I tried to like logically you yourself through it like, I I'm there through it. right I was like okay I'm on I'm in bargaining now okay I'm, I'm here. okay I'm in depression now okay I'm in acceptance now okay well I should be in acceptance why am I not in oh okay so you mean to tell me I can go back up to yes, anger? You <laughs> back in anger it, it didn't work like it just caused more stress like now that I think about it I, I was thinking about this the other day like girl why did you do that that made no sense at all like why but I was fighting for my life because, well, not literally fighting for my life, but my control issues did not want to let go and just go through the process. And there I was having sessions with clients and I'm telling them all of the things, let go. <laughs> you won't die going through the grieving process. The only way through grief is to actually go through Girl, I'm saying all of the things. Were you hearing yourself? Girl, apparently not. No. I must have been dissociating when I was saying <laughs> because I listened to none of it. I would hang up and at night try to be like, okay, what stage am I on? I'm, I'm, here <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the anger stage too long. I'm in the sadness too long. Like, where am I at? And it wasn't until, but I went to the grief group and I literally cried through the entire session. Like, I could barely even speak. I just sat and just cried and I think that was the and and keep in mind this was like six months after the person had passed away mm. but that was the first time that I felt like I didn't have to be a therapist to myself or to anyone mm -hmm. and I allowed myself to let go because I felt safe yeah and and I think when we don't want to let go with grief it's because we feel alone because grief can be so lonely like me and you could could lose someone that we both love mm -hmm. and our grieving experiences are going to be different based on our relationship with Absolutely. them. So grief is so personal, but knowing that in that moment, 
the complications of the grief that I felt, other people had complicated grief as well, like complicated things that came up with their grief as well, like Mm -hmm. ambivalence in the relationships or just the complicated relationships or Mm -hmm. um, having a conflictual relationship with a parent or, or the deceased and feeling like that wasn't resolved, but you still wish that that would have been resolved or you were hoping that that would have been resolved and it wasn't. So just knowing that I wasn't alone allowed me to finally let go and realize like, okay, like I'm, I, I can go through grief and let go and I'll be okay. Yeah. Listen, don't try to therapize yourself through grief because it doesn't work. Or in general. Sometimes it helps to just, you know, to talk it through with someone else. Yeah. Uh, Don't go through it alone. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge, you know, with with all things that we're going to come back to is this the importance of, you know, you not being alone and and that you'll get through it. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, Kelly, what what is your commitment to self-care for the month of September? One thing I'm I'm honestly trying to do more of is actually resting because I have a hard time sitting down too. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I'm in physical pain and my body is like, girl, sit down. Right. So I'm I'm really trying that, honestly. It's just because my go-to is like just always to, you know, fill my time with something. So I feel guilty about, you know, if I'm at home and I just want to watch a show and not fold those clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna allow myself to do that. So that for me is you know one thing that I'm I'm trying to to do better at is to not have something to do every single day and to allow myself some time to just sit and just yeah. be because I don't generally do that. That's good. I was thinking you should tell yourself F those clothes, but instead of saying the F word, say fold those clothes. <laughs> Girl, fold those clothes. <laughs> I'd rather pay somebody to fold those clothes. Oh my gosh. Right. But yeah, that and and I, one thing I feel like I have done better with over the last maybe month um is not answering phone calls when I don't have the energy or capacity to to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, those are two things that I'm uh you know, working on, learning to actually take physical rest, like sit myself down somewhere and mm-hmm. then emotionally not always feel obligated to you know, to take calls if I don't feel like I can emotionally handle it at the time. Like I'm, I've uh, been dealing with physical challenges and, and mm-hmm. learning that, you know, we always say it, but it's so true. If I don't take care of myself, then who will? So yeah. I'm, I'm having to make some adjustments and things like that to put myself in a better position. So that's something that I'm doing. And I've been on social media less, which has been great. I wish I could completely be done with it, but I've been on there a lot less, which has been really, really helpful. Um, You brought up a good point about social media. Like I haven't been scrolling as much. I I really just haven't, lately I haven't felt the desire to scroll so much. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just kind of getting... I don't want to say getting old, but I have to keep my social media accounts because I have businesses, but yeah. um, not scrolling so much has been a huge help. <clears throat> like I said, I've, I've just been dealing with a lot, just a lot of things, uh, 
professionally just trying to sort through and figure out what my next step should be and and kind of what direction I want to go in and it's come with some excitement but then but then also some stress so Mm -hmm. I think my commitment is being gentle with myself and allowing myself to feel all of the things I think sometimes we struggle with feeling multiple emotions about something but allowing myself to feel the complexity of the decisions that I have to make, the excitement and the angst and working, noticing when the angst comes up and working through why it's there and being patient with myself. And maybe learning to to go without that phone. I feel like that should be a challenge for you. <laughs> oh, and reading while I'm without the phone, reading who moved my cheese. Right. Cool. <laughs> I guess we both need to do that. I might be better put doing an audio book than listening to it right, while I right. drive. <laughs> right. Look, during your structured your structured drive in yeah. to work. <laughs> My structured drive time. Yes. That might be a better time. Right. I love it. I absolutely love it. I said that's so funny. I keep thinking about you in the nail shop. I'm like, I can't wait to put that phone down. I'm like, oh, they need my hands. Like, I can't be on my phone. If I'm on my phone, it's looking for a nail design. Girl, I'd be like, between filings, I'd be like, what? Randy. What's going on? I know. Pray for me, Kelly. I'm going to work through it. (laughs) I'm going to work through it. I'm going to work through it in therapy, for real. Okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of Crazy Counselors Podcast with my fabulous co-host, Miss Kelly Center, and I'm Brandy Stinson, and we hope that you take the month of September to really do something that you enjoy that really, really pours into you, that really is good for your soul. And hey, like, share, share this this podcast with your friends, family, boo thing, whomever you feel may benefit. And hold it down until we're uh, back next week with another episode into the life of the crazy counselors.